Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I titled this sermon, You Gotta Fight for Your Right. Uh Uh-huh, see? If you were a teenager in the 80s, you went to party. Hey, I said we're going to have fun, but we ain't going to have that kind of fun. (laughs) Oh, man. No, tonight we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Oh, I thought it was going to get really quiet. I actually got a whoop. All right, let's go. Now, I spent 12 weeks uh, this past summer teaching on this. So tonight I'm cramming 12 weeks into tonight. So tonight is a special two-hour service. All right. Oh, I would not have a job. Uh, We are going to end at eight on the dot. That is for sure. Honestly, though. Now, we didn't in here, but a lot of times when you say spiritual warfare, people get uneasy. And, you know, our culture now, they raise like an unbelieving eyebrow that the devil even exists or that he works in this world. And you know what? It's the devil's greatest deception that he's ever achieved was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. But see, there is a very real spiritual war being waged against God, and every believer finds themselves smack dab in the middle of it. Now, there's a really great quote by this guy that I found when I was studying through this over the summer. His name is uh, John Eldridge. We're going to look at this. So to live in ignorance of spiritual warfare is the most naive and dangerous thing a person can do. We don't escape spiritual warfare just because we don't believe it exists. We must fight for a godly life. Now leave that up there just for a second. We don't escape it because we don't believe it exists. We have to fight for a godly life. Okay, you can take it down. Now most of us don't think about having to fight for a godly life. I I certainly didn't when I became a Christian. But most of us, some of us, can think, well, as long as we don't acknowledge spiritual warfare, we don't have to engage in it or we won't experience it. And it's kind of like this. So I'm going to go back to my kids again. So I have four kids. Um, uh, My oldest is my daughter, and it's actually her birthday today. So happy birthday, baby girl. Um, Spencer has a special song. No, he doesn't. Um, But it's like my kids when they were little... And they're like three or four years old. What do they always want to do? They want to play hide and seek. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm a good dad. I'll play. All right, dad, you go count. We're going to go hide. All right. So I'm counting. One, two, 10, 15, 40, 150, even 500. Ready or not, here I come. And I go into the next room and I don't even have to look. One of my kids is standing in the middle of the room doing this. (laughs) Has this happened to you? And I'm like, where is Spencer? It wasn't Spencer. It was JV, you're right. But the point is, they think, if I can't see you, you can't see me. See, spiritual warfare doesn't work like that. We have to be careful that we're not trying to pretend like it doesn't exist 
and were literally hiding in plain sight for the enemy. That's why he said it's the most naive and dangerous thing a person can do. But see, when we understand and acknowledge that we're in this fight, then there's a couple of things that we need to ask. Number one is, how do I keep from getting beat up? Anybody ever felt beat up? Okay. The devil's going to help you do that. You'll do it yourself. He'll help you. And the other question we need to do is, and we need to ask is, how do I win? I like to win. I'm fairly competitive. Really competitive. (laughs) But I'm sure that the thought of just having to fight creates some anxiety in you tonight. Now, let me just ask this. How many people like to fight? Okay, so don't make these people mad. Okay? You guys might be just a little off. Have you read the Bible? Anyway. um, Like it or not, we're in a fight. And we have to fight for our right to be godly. I know that was super cheesy. I had to do it. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight. See, the Bible's not scared of fighting and neither should we. We're people that we need to learn how to fight spiritually and take a punch. Did you hear me? We got to learn how to take a punch spiritually, not just kind of show up and hope we never get hit, but take a punch. But see, I got good news for you. You're like, well, Justin, I don't really like to fight. I'm not a great fighter. It's okay. It's not how well you fight that matters most is that you don't give up. Did you hear what I said? It's not how well you fight that matters most, but that you don't give up. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.8. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. See, we're able to take a punch. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We don't give up. We're persecuted by others, but God has never forsaken us. He's always in our corner. We may be knocked down, but we are not out. We keep getting up and getting back in the fight. Now, I want you to say something after me, and I want you to say it with some conviction. I am not a victim. I am not a victim. Yeah, come on now. Now, I just want to tell you, she went to my class for 12 weeks. She even pulled her mask down to say it. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I want you to say it again. I'm not a victim. victim. We're going to come back to this because you're not. See, if you're a Christian, you're far from it. You're a victor. Now, a little bit about me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I grew up fighting a lot. So I fought in school a lot, uh, some with teachers. Uh, I even fought other people's fights, uh, especially if it was a bully. Like I would jump in because I hate bullies. Like Pastor Allen hates onions. I hate bullies. And I know hate is a strong word, but if I could think of a stronger one, I would use it. That's how much I hate them. So then shortly after that, in my early 20s, about 10 years ago, I started, that's not funny. (laughs) Yeah, who are you kidding, buddy? But in my early 20s, I, I, I got into martial arts And then I started fighting all the time. So I kind of lived my whole life fighting. And then I got married. And then, (laughs) no, 
We're going to skip that. Fast forward. When I became a Christian, though, literally, I didn't think that I would have to fight to be a Christian. Now, I don't have to fight for my salvation, but I have to fight for my right to be godly. I do. And so do you. Now, we have to learn how to fight a completely different way. So am I an expert in fighting? No. Do I have a lot of experience in it? Yes. And I know there's three things that you always want to ask yourself before you go into any fight. Number one, what kind of fight is it? What are we fighting with? Number two, where are we fighting? What's the environment like? And then last, who am I fighting? What's their fighting style? What are their abilities? So what kind of fight are we in? If this is a spiritual fight, what kind of fight are we in? Well, it's a spiritual fight. Right? Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, the Passion Translation uh, takes a little more liberty, but I like it, and I'm going to read it to you. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Yeah. You know what that sounds like to me? Like a synopsis of a scary movie on Netflix. But that's scripture. That's what we're dealing with every day. See, we don't want to show up every day doing this. We don't want to do that. Demons are real and Satan is real. This is a spiritual fight. What are we fighting with? Let's go back to the word. 2 Corinthians 10.4. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy Strongholds. Now, have you heard this saying, don't bring a knife to a gunfight? Okay, maybe you haven't heard that. I'm telling you, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. It will be a very short fight if you're the one with the knife. And it will not end well for you. You have to know what you're fighting with. In Ephesians 6, 17, Paul says, when he's talking about the armor of God, he says, take up the helmet of salvation And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. We need to stop and say thank you, God. Thank you for your word that it's alive and it's powerful. And it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Now, in any movie that you ever watch that involves sword fighting... Or lightsabers, I don't want to discriminate. You know that they are constantly deflecting blows just as much as they are attacking with their sword. The sword is both offensive and defensive. Now, my favorite sword fighting movie is The Three Princess Bride. It is. It's my favorite one. And you know who I'm going to talk about. Inigo Montoya, right? This dude is a master with the sword, and he's got a great accent. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. 
to kill my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> and he's like rehearsing it to everybody. He's saying, yeah, when I find that six-finger dude, I'm going to say, hello. My name is Antigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And then when he finally meets him at the end, he just keeps saying it. He just, and the dude just keeps more, more and more scared. You know what I like about him? He's not afraid to fight. He's actually looking for one. And you know why? He's prepared. He's a swordsman. He's ready. He's trained his entire life with that sword to avenge his father. See, we need to be mastering the word of God so that it will make us spiritually strong for battle. You don't just pick up a weapon and you're good at it first day. In fact, you're going to hurt yourself a lot. But it's no different with God's word. We have to train in it. We have to stay in it. We have to read it. We have to memorize it. It has to be in us and it has to be ready to come out of us. You want to be a master warrior with God's word in your mouth. God's word, which is truth, it has the power to set us free from the lies of the enemy. God's word is inerrant and unchanging. Now, have you heard the inerrant word of God? Have you heard that before? Inerrant, that word means incapable of being wrong. So if God's word is incapable of being wrong and it's unchanging, that means it's never been wrong, it never will be wrong. So that's why we continue to uphold the truth of Scripture regardless of how culture changes. And our culture is jacked up. Culture right now is promoting and believing in, well, what's your truth? Well, my truth is a bunch of malarkey is what your truth is. Same with mine. Our emotions don't dictate what is real. God's word and his truth dictate what is real. Now, I was going to pick up my guitar and I was going to give you this example, but I'm just going to go through it for time's sake. That guitar, if I played it for you and it sounds like it's in tune, you're like, yeah, that sounds good. But how do you know if it's in tune? We don't know if it's in tune until we use something that has absolute perfect pitch, which is a tuner. Then we clip it on the end, it measures the exact vibrations, and then it tells us, is it exactly in tune or not? And I uh, it purposely tuned it a little flat so it'd be off. So it sounds great, but it's off. Things in our life can look right, Sound right, feel right, and be off. And the only way you're going to tell is if you go to God's word and find out where the truth is. That's why we fight with the word of God because it never lies, it never has, it never will. And it exposes every lie of the enemy. Scripture should influence the way we live, raise our kids, do business, vote, Everything. We stay strong in our fight by staying in God's word. And then in turn, his word enables us to discern what is true and what is off. It's important. This is a spiritual fight. We're fighting with God's word. So where are we fighting? Does that matter? I promise you it does. Like in school, 
when I would fight, they would always like tell the time and the place. 3.30 after six period behind the portable. Let's go, bro. Well, we don't war against flesh and blood and our weapons are not of flesh and blood. Our, our environment where we fight is our mind. This is where this battle takes place. And the devil, he wants to influence your mind because he knows your mind is the control center of your life. He wants to put his thoughts in your mind and he wants to put his words in your mouth. His words would sound something like this. You're a failure. You will never amount to anything. You can't do that. Oh, they better never find out you did that. See, it got real quiet because we've all heard that. So we have to know what to resist. And here's the good news. If you resist that thought with God's word, it's gone. It doesn't bother you. It's over. But, (laughs) but if you validate it, entertain it, or allow that thought to stay in your head in any way, you can begin to perceive that as true. And once you believe it's true, it begins to influence you. See, your reality will be what you believe. Some of us have believed we're a failure. We bought into that lie. Good news is you can line it up with God's word tonight and get rid of it right now. That's the truth. Now let me talk about undealt with thoughts because sometimes we don't resist it and we don't give in to it. We just ignore it. Right? Well, that doesn't leave your mind. Think about it. Somebody comes into the room. You're like, well, I'm going to ignore you. Do they go away? No, they're right there. And you have to walk around them. Oh, I'm going to ignore you. But you're right there. (laughs) Just by ignoring a thought or if we don't deal with it, it doesn't leave and it can stay hidden and it affects the way we think. It can cause confusion and eventual deception. And it can begin to take root and become harder to remove. See, the root of our thoughts determine the fruit of our lives. The root will determine the fruit. Now, God gave me a a cool saying for that um, that when I studied it this this, uh, summer. It was really good for me, and I use it in my own life. Because <laughs> I'm just telling you, if you, wanna, if you want some challenges in your life, start to preach on spiritual warfare. He's going to come at you. But God gave me this, and I love it. If it's wrong, it doesn't belong. If it's wrong, it doesn't belong. See, the, if Satan says you're a failure, God says you're a masterpiece. So that's wrong. It doesn't belong. See, we got to be a bouncer at the door. You are not on the VIP list, failure. You don't get in. No. Uh, I'm sorry. You're not old enough to get in here. No. You don't line up with God's word. No. Now, we talked about, oh, I'm sorry. Let's look at this scripture real quick because we got to have scripture for this. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy, I love that, 
arguments, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. If it's wrong, it doesn't belong. Now, like I told you, I had a lot of uh, (laughs) experience fighting growing up. Um, And uh, I actually was in martial arts for many years. I owned my my own kickboxing studio for several years. And I taught self-defense seminars to, like, faculties, you know, of uh, schools and, you know, staffs of corporate, uh, you know, functions and that sort of thing. And everybody would want to know, all right, Justin, show me, like, that one move that's going to stop everybody. You know, that one, that one quart of blood technique. You know, you do it and a quart of blood falls out of them. And I said, well, there is no quart of blood technique. You've been watching too many Eddie Murphy movies. But I said, but I can teach you the number one self-defense move. In fact, I can teach us all tonight. You ready? All right, you don't even have to stand up. Some of you don't believe me. This, I'm serious. This is it. This is the number one self-defense move. You ready? No. No. Do you know why? Because a predator is not looking for somebody who's aware And who acknowledges them and looks them in the eye. They will back off. They're looking for easy prey. They're looking for somebody who is an easy target. Somebody who is weak and unaware. The devil is looking for Christians who are weak in the word and unaware of his devices. We don't want to be that. When that lie comes to us, we say, oh, if it's wrong... It doesn't belong. No. You got to go. Now, Jesus, as always, was our perfect example in this. When he was tempted in the wilderness, he hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil comes at him and he says, if you're the son of God, if, then turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? He said, it is written. What's implied there? No. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because it is written. He went to the word. He was our perfect example. We go to the word. There's a lie in your life. You need to recognize it and you need to find God's promise and his truth and you need to look it in the face and you need to say no and get rid of it. We have to know what to resist and what to yield to. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say something that's going to shock some people tonight. You have complete control of your thought life. I I hear you doubters. But you do. Remember you're not a victim? You remember that? Philippians 4.8. Let's read that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That tells you right there, you have control of your thought life. You know why? Is God a good God? Is he a good father? Would he ever ask you to do something he know you couldn't do? It's our choice. Sometimes we dwell on it for whatever reason. Sometimes we tell ourselves that stuff. But listen, we have control. 
And we've been given the tools to cast these things down and out of our life. Every thought you have is completely dependent on what you do with it. Same with me. All right. Let's talk about who we're fighting. What we're fighting against? Satan and his evil spirits. Yes, that's actually perfect. Couldn't say it better myself. (laughs) Modern culture has a hard time believing and accepting that Satan's real, right? It's his greatest deception. But see, it's only because they have a caricature in mind when it comes to the devil. See, they're not getting their information from Scripture. The Bible speaks of the devil more than a hundred times. hundred times. Not once is he described as a short red goat man with a pitchfork. Not once. Remember the Underwood can deviled ham? (laughs) What was my mom thinking? Not once is he mentioned entering fiddling contests down in Georgia. (laughs) Not once. But he actually has 17 different names throughout the Old and the New Testament. And Jesus talked about him quite a bit but we're going to focus on his most common name, the devil. Now, this word originated from the Greek word diabolos. It's a compound word. Dia, meaning to penetrate. Balos means to hit continually. So we put these together, and it means one who repetitiously strikes until successfully penetrating an object in order to ruin it, affect it, or take it captive. This reminds me of my brother. Justin, did you just say that your brother was the devil? Yeah, I did. <laughs> at, one per, at one time, I actually believed that. My brother and I were split. My parents divorced when I was two. He was five. My dad took him and my mom took me. But later on in life, he came to live with us. So we had a lot of, you know, interactions. And his favorite thing to do, I'm not touching you. <laughs> I'm not touching you. Spencer wants to hit me right now. He was relentless. I'd be trying to watch TV. He'd be doing that. It drove me crazy. But see, this is more than just the devil's name. It's his job description. See, he repeatedly strikes and strikes at your mind. Hour after hour, day after day, hitting you with lies suggestions, accusations, allegations. He's continuously bombarding your mind. He's looking for an opportunity to make his move and strike with everything he has to take your emotions and your mind, if he can, captive. So what does he use? What's his fighting style? Well, it's deception. And it comes from the word, the Greek word dolios. Now it's a fishing term actually. And it means to bait a hook. How many fishers we got in here? Fishermen in here, fisherwomen, people, y'all who fish. It's the picture of a fish that sees the bait on a hook. And he knows there's a hook in it. But the longer he looks at it, he's like, mm, that looks really good. And the longer he looks at it, he starts to get hypnotized by it. And then pretty soon he hits the hook and he's ensnared. That's the picture here. This is how Satan comes at us. That's why we need to deal with those thoughts when they come. Did you know that your belief in a lie will actually empower that lie in your life? 
That's a scary thought. That's why it's so important for us to take charge of our thoughts, take those captive, make them obedient to Christ, and speak truth to ourselves to eliminate his trickery and his deception. Now, nobody else can do it for you. You have to stand up to this bully yourself. You can't go tell the teacher, I can't do it for you. Pastor Allen can't do it for you. Your wife or your husband can't do it for you. You do it for you. Because if we don't, deception can take root in our mind and we can believe the lie as a truth. Look at Matthew 6, 23. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Romans 1.25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. And then 2 Timothy 4.3, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Sound familiar? They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. This is scripture. See, Satan is having his way in our culture today. Our society is absolutely rampant with deception. They're deceived about sexuality, gender identity, abortion, and many, many, many other things. So we got to fight for our right to be godly. We know what kind of fight this is, what we're fighting with. We know where it is, and we know who we're fighting. So now you just need to see yourself as the champion God sees you to be. Got scripture for that? Glad you asked. (laughs) But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the good news about this whole thing, and I could have started with it, is he's already whooped. And he knows it. But he won't tell you that. We have to tell him that. And you need to start walking like a champion. Does a champion walk differently than his challenger opponents? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they walk in. They know. You know why? They're used to winning. Winning feels good. I don't care what they say, millennials, whoever. I don't care everybody gets a trophy. Winning feels good. And spiritually, I want to win. And God's already given us the victory. So we need to start acting like it. And see, there's another thing about champions is they know that failure is just part of the process. Failure doesn't derail them. Bruce Lee, probably the most famous martial artist on the planet, said, to me, defeat is anything, to me, defeat in anything is merely temporary. Defeat simply tells me that something is wrong in my doing. It's a path leading to success and truth. Wow. Man, I hope he was a Christian. I want to talk to him in heaven. Because, see, it's not who you are that holds you back in life. It's who you think you're not. Because when I said you need to be the champion, God needs you to be. Some of you are like, I'm not a champion. You need to get that out right away. It's who you think you're not that holds you back. What does the Bible say? You're a child of God. You're a friend of God. You're more than a conqueror. You're chosen. 
You're dearly loved. You're a citizen of heaven. You're the redeemed. You're a masterpiece. You're a saint. You're part of a royal priesthood. You're part of a holy nation. You are not a victim. You want to know who you're not? That's what you're not. We're children of God. Sickness doesn't belong to us. Destruction doesn't belong to us. Anxiety doesn't belong to us. Disaster doesn't belong to us. Depression doesn't belong to us. Suicide doesn't belong to us. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. That's the truth. And when these attacks come against us, we don't have to grin and bear it. We can stand face to face and toe to toe in the power of God and push back the enemy in our life. Got scripture for that? Sure do. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. The devil doesn't belong anywhere in your day or life. God has given you everything you need to stand against the devil. Everything. You are more than a conqueror. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, and no weapon formed against you will prosper. Let's pray. You bow your heads. Father, thank you that through you we are more than conquerors. Thank you, Father, that we can fight this fight through you. And you've already fought it for us. So we just have to stand in your word. Lord, I pray for those here tonight that haven't accepted you as Lord. And they want to tonight. I'm going to give you a chance to do that. If that's you and you say, I've never asked Jesus into my life. And I want that power and I want to be able to fight against the enemy. And you want to accept him tonight. I want you to just shoot up your hand real quick. And we're going to say a little prayer for you. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. If that's you, okay. I see that. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. You can put your hands down. Maybe you said, you know, I've had a relationship with Jesus, but I've walked away. I'm not walking with him. He knows it and I know it, but I want to get back tonight. If that's you, you raise your hand. You tell me. We're going to pray a prayer for you too. All right. Amen. I see that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. Put your hands down. All right. We're going to pray that prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, uh, repeat after me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.